Warm-ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I care to expand on that. Gosh, woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast app. Let's go ahead and give us a five-star review. I'm Kamehameha Robbie, and joined by Jack Shields today. It's a sleepy Jack Shields today. Mind a little you. too sleepy. A little too sleepy. I'll, I'll soldier through. The hot takes will reinvigorate me. How's your week been so far? It's Thursday. Pretty, it's oh, it's Wednesday. It is it's Wednesday, Wednesday. Isn't it? it's gonna be yeah. Thursday when this comes out. Pretty uneventful. I've uh, watched The Irishman. Man, I've heard. I, I people see, keep on telling okay, me to watch see, it. Okay, see, I, I, I think I'm like everyone else in that I have watched part of The Irishman up to this point because <laughs> it's three and a half hours long, Ugh. and. It is good. The acting is phenomenal from the old dudes. What is like? What is the premise? It's it's mostly about just Jimmy Hoffa. Okay. And uh, basically a young guy who sort of helps him with shit. But like, uh, I won't go into the whole damn thing. But right. like, Pacino does a really good job of acting in it, and De Niro does too. And Joe Pesci's really good in it. So where does the Irishman come into? play uh robert de niro plays an irishman that is uh so, see exactly that, they give see, him blue eyes that's i don't like that it, it, one of the most notable <laughs> italian americans making him an irishman see, in a that's movie not, that's what and giving thinking. him blue eyes is a bold move on scorsese's part because i was like wait you have and it does look weird but it's a good movie pacino pesci and de niro and i was well, like pesci's very italian obviously if they yeah. made pesci an irishman <laughs> then that would just be too much like, <laughs> jesus christ yeah man i've heard people say uh, like, oh, have you watched The Irishman yet? Like, no, I have. I've it it is good close. from what I've seen. I, okay. I, I've watched. It's three and a half hours long, and I've watched two hours and forty five minutes of it. And apparently, everyone says that the last like twenty minutes of it is what just makes it. Okay, and it's pretty good up to this point. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. But I mean, my fiance is. She's been busy watching The Mandalorian, and she's like, you need to watch it so we can watch it together, but I haven't seen it yet at all. I just kind of want to watch it for Baby Yoda. I'm not yeah, really that Baby big of a Star Wars guy, honestly. It's true. But, Same. But I Same. do like Boba Fett, so maybe I will be into it, so yeah. who knows? It's a good question. But uh, we have some football to talk about. We some do. football this past Saturday, football this Saturday, and just uh, maybe what the next Saturdays hold in the, in the future. But Oklahoma goes to Stillwater, Oklahoma, Bedlam. They were favored by, what was it, like 14 points? Yeah, 13 and a half, 14. 14. It kind of just went back and forth between and, those two um, the time. OU comes away with a victory, 34 to 16, actually covering the spread for the first time in a while that I can remember a minute, this year. for sure. Um, the big thing, they, after the first drive, really, they held uh, Chuba Hubbard in check for the most part. You know, as good as he is, I you know, I kind of expected him to break off like one big run or something yeah. like that. And he never did. But yeah. as far as like, he had like his, a 20-something yarder. Yeah, but as far as like his general performance is concerned, losing Spencer Sanders just allowed OU to yeah, just cratered. key on that the entire time. Because it took away OSU's deep passing game mm-hmm. and it took away the quarterback run in the read option game. So that pretty much just allowed OU to key on Chuba Hubbard the whole time. But... OU did do everything well schematically and mm-hmm. execution-wise, so there's really nothing to complain about on that end. So. Yeah, in the in, during the first drive, though, I thought, oh, man, this could possibly yeah, be a shootout. Absolutely. Like, OU's not tackling. 
any sort of running back there and they were getting the second level and uh it was it was it didn't look too promising i was like you got to be kidding me always really about getting a shootout it's going to be with osu with no no tylen wallace no spencer sanders and just an elite track athlete that's also a running back in chuba hubbard and then um, held him to barely over 100 yards. Didn't get close. 104, to, yeah, on a bunch of carries too. Yeah, so. hit over 20, like 24, something like that. I believe, yeah, he averaged 4.2. I think is what I saw, but yeah, I mean that which that that has to be his season low. Yeah, and he uh, he didn't get close to breaking the 200 yards thing, to where he would uh, he needed like 89 more yards after the game, or you know where he stopped rushing to. Um, get 2,000 yards on the season, mm-hmm. and OU only allowed him 25 yards after the second half. Like, 25 yards? That's So, it, like you said, OU was able to key in on him, but also, after that first drive, really just snuff a lot of things out. After that first drive, um, OSU did not score another touchdown. And that's significant. Of course. And it's significant for uh, several different reasons, but one of them was that metric. Do you remember that metric last year? And I can't, I couldn't find the stats on it. Maybe she wasn't looking hard enough or didn't care enough, but the metric was her stat. When teams got into the red zone against OU, they scored, uh, like I think, damn near 100% of the time. And a large amount of the time, they scored touchdowns. And here, OU was forced teams into, you know, fourth down, uh, turnover on downs, and they forced several of them into field goals this year. And that's just, that's a massive turnaround that people aren't even talking about. Oklahoma forcing turnover on downs, getting off the field. They, it's getting to the point where they're like, well, not, we're not getting off the field on third down. They have to get off the field on fourth down because they are stopping other teams. And that, that's, that's great. You know, they're choking them, um, drive what they're trying to do. And this so, is a situation last year where you would see them sort of be demoralized in these situations. Yeah. Once they would get down in Oklahoma's territory, they'd sort of hang their heads a little bit and they would miss tackles and stuff like that. They, they never give up on a drive, it seems like, this year. And that goes back to the culture change we were talking about with Grinch. Yeah, it's big. And it, we, we talk about that. And, you know, like you said, like, oh, man, there's a big third down coming up and last year. And, of course, the other team would convert it more often than not. And it would seep into the rest of the drive, and it would seep into the next series. And OU this time, TCU comes to play Norman, and OU's excited to get on the field. And then on the defense is excited to stay on the field and kick the crap out of whatever's happening because they know they can dominate up front and up and on that on the defensive side of the ball. And OSU, same thing. I mean, they came up big several different places, and they knew they wanted to be on the field. They wanted to play. So it's 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 unreal. And Parno Motley forced three turnovers. Two of which counted. He forced three. <laughs> three. Absolutely. It's so much BS. Like, what was it? What was the feeling like in the stadium? Was see, on was see, the replay? They okay, show? here's the thing. Oklahoma State's replay situation. They never show anything <laughs> that would incriminate Oklahoma State in right. any way whatsoever. Okay. It, it's kind of impressive is how thing good that, they were at it. And is, OU fans were always yelling each time, like, yeah. "Hey, what the hell is this?" Yeah. Like, and rightfully so. Is this a thing that you had to find out for yourself after the game? No, li- on yeah, Twitter? Li- I did not see the situation until the next morning <laughs> on Twitter. I saw like it was R.J. Young's tweet with the uh, the foot on the sideline where you saw. Clearly green between Clearly his foot green. and, 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 and the sideline. Zero, zero way of overturning that call. The fact that the it was called an interception on the field 
makes it, makes it even more absurd. Yeah, because the they Big said we had one hundred percent evidence to overturn this. You couldn't. They must have had some special camera to say definitively. Oh, he was out because an opposite day camera. Apparently, I mean, what the hell weird. was that? So incredibly weird. He deserved it. And OU was up 17-7 to at that point, and they could have really put the... Oh, no, the... OSU was probably going to be demoralized if that had yeah. been upheld. Well, you were well, you were in the stands, and I control the account. Uh, Cowboys ride for free. The uh, the counter uh, of our uh, team in Norman, they decided to, our, our counter partners of SB Nation in the state, they uh, DM'd me while I was tweeting the game and said, good game, or GG. Because at that point, OU is about to, again, rumble to the end zone, yep. rushing the ball. Good and people really, over at Cowboys yeah, Ride for they free, are too. People, Very classy. Great people. And OU's about to put the foot on the throat Yeah, early. But they stuck around. It sort of remained in doubt after that a little bit. Yeah. Even though it you, it felt like OU had it in control. But, I mean, it, I mean this was a four-point game midway through the yeah. third quarter. And, and it was a possibility that OSU might tie the ball game up and yep. get the ball after half. Yep. But you knew pretty much any time you got the ball, they were going to run the ball down their throats, and you felt pretty comfortable with where they were at. You And Jalen, it was just like, don't throw an interception, no fumble the ball. And they really didn't give him a chance because Kennedy Brooks, as the, the bell cow, had a better day than Chuba Hubbard. You know, And that's, of course, Kennedy Brooks is a great running back, but also he has a great offensive line that's really gelling since R.J. Proctor has been inserted at left tackle as the official starter. R.J. Proctor is better run um better at run fits and he's better at run blocking than he is pass blocking so that's just another element to the game and just big and parnell monley guy strip king you know definitely his best game he was benched two years ago in the same game in stillwater and he's the guy he's like well he was benched last year in norman it was uh thomas that was benched that's uh, right two years ago that that, osu has a tendency to expose people no no good not this year and this year he's the one that should have had three forced turnovers, a fumble, and two interceptions, and they didn't take that second interception away from them, which is pretty great. And talking about the offensive line destroying OSU up front, they just had no answer for the GT counter, and they really just had no answer for the OU's run game in general. I guess they were able to manage passing the century mark after all, weren't they? Yeah, no joke. <laughs> this is an inside joke. We're not going to go into that. But, <sighs> but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that's great. <laughs> but, yeah, it... Uh, just unbelievable to me. Again, Jalen Hurts is like, what, 13 to 16 passing. He didn't have to pass that much because, again, oh, you just punished them on the ground. Creed and Humphrey, like, spearing guys were off the off the line. Uh, Marquise Hayes, who is probably the baddest MFer on that line. I think he's the baddest A guy major, on the line. major, major snub on the all-Big 12 team, 100%. by the way. Did not even make the honorable mention team. That's unreal to me. He, I mean, if he had been on the first or second team, I would not have batted yeah. an eye. He has done as well as any offensive lineman, including Creed Humphrey this year. Do you think it's possible because it's, he's really mean and he always gets personal fouls after the whistle? <laughs> I'm serious. No. You don't think so? I think people are just sleeping. That's possible. Yeah. I mean, like, he's a guard, but, man, this guy. Yeah, granted, it is the coaches who are voting on this. Yeah. So, you know, maybe he rubs some people the wrong way. I think may, maybe you're onto something. He's I don't know. always hitting after the whistle and always talking. He's not, hardly the first Bill Budenboe no, offensive lineman to have that yeah, trait. Bill Bill loves that guy. But <laughs> I, Hell, I love it. Oh, you destroyed OSU up front. They just 
OSU had no answer for anything. They put eight in the box. They had no answer for anything that OU was doing at GT counter, baby. Bread and butter. And the fact that Kennedy Brooks is a sole back, understanding what what you know what is going on, what holes to run through, what lanes are going to be open for him every time, that's just the best thing you can have right there for him. Um, my question is, and I pose this question to some of my buddies, is this OU team peaking? At the right moment. I think so. Yeah, I think like what you mentioned with the offensive line, they're gelling into the form that you saw late in the season last year mm-hmm. where they were just running on everyone. This is like a 2015 yeah, thing. exactly. And uh, the defense, the last two and a half games, they've looked like a college football contending defense. Mm-hmm. One that at the beginning of the year we said that Oklahoma needed to have to truly to maybe win a game in the college football playoff. Yeah, They're looking like that kind of defense right now. And Jalen Hurts, you know, for all of his flaws down the home stretch with the turnovers and stuff like that, he seemed to make a concerted effort in this game not to do anything of that nature. Yep, he was wrapping up the ball. Both arms both around arms. the ball. Yeah, I both mean, arms. I mean, I think he had a talking to. Kennedy Brooks did the same thing. And, oh, yeah, Kennedy Brooks looked like he was pushing the yeah. button on Madden where yeah. you do the ball security thing. Yeah, 100%. That's, that's <laughs> what he, anybody get with an inch of him. He wraps both arms around the ball. So there was a con- I'm there not was, complaining. There he was had a great game. A concerted effort to do not give the ball away. And Chuba Hubbard, the man, like, fumbled twice, but he got the ball back both times, I believe. Mm-hmm, he did. And I think OSU people were like, wow, he, he dropped the ball because like, Chuba hasn't done that. And, he hasn't. And so, yeah, I, I think... It's safe to say. I don't think it's safe to say, but I think it's it's definitely a thought that needs to be talked about. Is this OU team might be peaking at the right time because they're inconsistent with the idea of, all right, not turning the ball over. This is the first game that you felt pretty safe <laughs> in a while. That's pretty weird. Uh, at In Bedlam, Stillwater, in Stillwater yeah. at night, everybody's drunk. Uh, that's that's an atmosphere. Cold, cold. Yeah. I, I cannot stress how fucking cold it felt with that wind. I was yeah. I was in the OU section, you know, which is right by the opening. Yeah. The wind was coming from that direction. I, I could not feel my hands. Yeah. It, it was it was absurd. It it makes those hits feel much harder, and it make it, it makes ball um ball possession also feel a little more difficult to keep a handle on that ball. Yeah. And so I mean it. Offensively, OU is going to be fine under Lincoln Riley. They will always find a way to score points. I'm not worried about that at all. It's just the consistency of playing complementary football, what they've been talking about all year. You can see flashes of TCU game. The offense may have been not great. The offense actually was great. They just couldn't get the ball in the end zone without turning the ball over. But the defense was amazing. The second half of Baylor was great in both facets. Honestly, the first half against Baylor for the defense, pretty decent when they were put in good field position and not on their own, not on their own 40. Iowa State, the offense puts up a ton of points, and Iowa State just comes back and the defense is inconsistent there. So it's just been a matter of playing, by the way, some pretty damn good teams, the best in the conference, and just putting a good offensive and defensive performance together. And I I, I was just thinking before this latest game against OSU, I'm thinking, you know, I think this team is on the verge of peaking, of getting on the same page offensively and defensively, and of course special teams, which gave Burkett's second team the man hasn't missed a kick all year. Connor McGinnis, Mortel Award, he he better bring it home. I mean, he Hody. deserves it. Hody. Holder of the year. 
Second, he'd be the first two-time winner. How long has it been around? Like seven years? Yeah, it's been a long time. But it's just like, I think the team is peaking at the right time. And it would be a shame for this team to miss the college football playoff. But we'll talk about that later. CeeDee Lamb, though. Body language during the game on the TV, because you see a broad spectrum of all the players. They always show the camera on the players. Body language wasn't great. And he's been posting Instagram things like, Oh, you got to keep, you know, you got to keep your mind right and stuff like he can't, you know, be got to be level headed, not emotional or whatever. I can't remember. the. Seems like the staff isn't too thrilled with his emotions right now either, which is kind of understandable. But his emotions are also a little bit understandable. I think they're warranted. Yeah, I think so. Like there were several times during the game that I'm watching Jalen Hurts. Again, this has been an all year struggle. Yeah. He's not great at keeping his eyes downfield. That's correct. And there's been several times that CeeDee Lamb is... He has a bit of a Landry Jones complex in that yeah, regard. And, but Landry would at least throw it up there or something because... Well, Landry, what I'm saying is he wouldn't always see every receiver on the field or always go through all of the necessary progressions. Yeah. He would sometimes key on a certain person. Kenny but, Stills. Yeah. Uh, but just like CeeDee Lamb would be streaking wide open down the field multiple times. And he's done that a couple times the last couple of games. And just nothing. So, like, you would see why he's frustrated. See Lamb, single cover, no safety help over the top. Get the man the ball. Throw it over the top and trust him. You're the best player, definitely in the conference, best player at the position in the country, likely. Trust the man to go get it. He's a top 10 pick. He's over 1,000 yards and has hardly had any yards over the past three games. (laughs) Yeah, over 1,000 yards, only 50-something carries. And he still is, you know, a leader in among several categories. Yeah. Unbelievable to me. And so, like, yeah, his body language, I think it's warranted. I think he's upset because he's not getting the ball. And, of course, like like any high-profile player, receiver, he wants the ball. So, I mean, it's not a good look because you've got Jaden Hazelwood. You've got Trajan Bridges. You've got Theo Weiss in I already know that Jaden Hazelwood's frustrated. He is, but at the same time, he's going to be here next year, and the offense is going to be completely different next year. I agree. It it might be, like, I mean, Oklahoma threw the ball 17 times this past Saturday. Wow. It might be, you know, up near the 40s next year in a lot of games, so. Yeah. I mean, I think they'll throw, oh, they they won't even have to throw the ball 40 times next year. That offense is going to be so nasty. They're going to be blowing teams out. Spencer Rattler's going to throw the ball 25 times and take a break at half. I mean, that's what it's going to be like. So, I mean, C. Lamb, not the best body language. I don't think he'll be concussed like he was against Baylor. It's a joke because he wasn't actually concussed. Um, (laughs) But uh, we'll see. We'll see. But we have a break to go to. And before we go to break, we have a lot of things for you guys after the break, most notably talking about the Big 12 title game, the rematch with Baylor, stuff going on right now. Basically, us just just yelling about the college football playoff and how inept we think they are. And some other funny things regarding Florida State, because they are the gift that keeps on giving, and Jack can attribute that uh, to his experience there. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I can. So, we'll check you guys after the break. Okay, Jack, so this time, oh, you'll be playing Baylor, not in Waco, no Baylor line, uh, no Brazos, uh, no no tailgating from boats. No Chip and Joanna. No Chip and well, Joanna. Well, maybe they'll be there, but maybe they won't they'll be. They'll probably be there, but they won't be. They won't be featured. Special guests, yeah. Um, Dr. Pepper, though, right? Still a lot of Dr. Pepper. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It is Texas. It's Texas, and it's Jerry World. So the game's at 11 a.m., though. 
It's the first 11 a.m. kickoff in a while for OU, it seems That's like. That's correct, yeah. Since the middle of that, I think since uh, the game at Kansas State, is I that think correct? Since OU yeah. played Kansas State. Yeah. Well, it could be doom and gloom. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, OU's actually a nine point favorite. How do you feel about that? Uh, Too high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think so too. Nine point favorite. The over under is 64. I think that's also too high. I agree. I think both teams are just going to ground and pound. I was telling you before we got on here, this is going to be one of the most physical games I think we see uh-huh. in college football this year. And all of the eyes of America are going to be on this game. This is this has a chance to maybe, if people are actually paying attention, Jim Mora, change <laughs> some perceptions about the league possibly. Hey, so. Jesse Dvorak says... Everybody watches. He's a company man, so whatever. <laughs> I, I like Dusty, but he's he's towing the company line. But it is what it is. Yeah, the I I and we I agree. Uh, I think both teams are going to beat each other to hell. I think that, that game's going to be more physical than um, what OU Texas was this year. And honestly, OU Texas wasn't even that physical of a game. OU Baylor was a very physical game the first time I wake this up. This one's going to be even more physical because both be, of them know that they have to have style points. Well, yeah, it's going to so be dog It's going to be. I'm really excited for this game. Actually, it's going to be probably one of the best games we see all these all year in college football. Hopefully, and although I hope Oklahoma blows them out, obviously, but I don't think that's going to happen. The good part about this game being Saturday morning, Pac-12 championships played Friday evening. Mm-hmm. So you know, going in, you know that night before you go to bed, if you're Kenneth Murray or uh, Jalen Hurts, you know. Holy crap. It's kind of like getting the ball second in overtime. You know what yeah. you need to do. Uh, the I mean, and honestly, I feel good about the Ducks winning that game. I do too. Way more talent than Utah. And, yeah, I feel pretty confident about the Ducks winning that game. If not, uh, oh, you should still jump them anyways, but we'll talk about that later. But it's just that game's being played on Friday night. You know what needs to happen Saturday morning. You know it needs to be done. So, it's going to be tough to beat Baylor two times in a row. It's tough to beat anybody two times in a row, especially with a team that maybe isn't the best offensively. They hung 61 points on Kansas. Woo. That's 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 an outlier as far as how their season has gone offensively. Um, they scored 24 on Texas. What? Texas is not that great of a defense. No. So that being said, it's still tough to beat teams two times in a row. This tech, this Alabama, uh, Alabama, this Baylor defense, my goodness, is pretty good, pretty damn good. Undersized, great, great front seven though. Great front seven, undersized in the back end a little bit, but they still hit hard. These are not coverage guys. Um, last year the crowd in Jerry World was about 70-30 Texas fans because Texas, as soon as they beat OU, they bought all those. That was up. the biggest day of ticket sales actually. And. Um, Oh, you General got oh you got in late because they had to beat West Virginia and everybody else, so that's why there were West Virginia random pockets of West Virginia fans in the stadium. There I were a lot. Year. It was weird. <laughs> it was strange. And I think this year OU fans might outnumber Baylor fans. Oh, I, I guarantee you they will. Because there's a large contingency of OU fans in Dallas. That's true. Uh, there's just a lot more Dallas. There's a lot more OU fans in general because of the population and uh, Baylor's football team again. I wouldn't say it's a flash in the pan, but they have their great years, but not necessarily a lot of alumni. You've got to remember, like with, this was the same thing with TCU. OU played them in the Big 12 Championship two years ago, but you've got to remember that these two programs, they lost generations of fans to apathy mm-hmm. just by being so bad for so long. So that has a big impact on the size of your fan base moving forward. So 
TCU's fan base isn't huge. Oklahoma outnumbered them. I'd, I'd say four to one uh-huh. two years ago. I Baylor has a larger fan base than TCU, a larger uh, alumni population as well. And I think they feel like they have a better chance to win than TCU did a few Oh, that's back. true. Yeah, plus they have a—I mean, I, if Baylor beats Oklahoma, that's a better college football playoff case to make than even Oklahoma beating Baylor because I they agree. will have beaten every team on their schedule. I agree. So Baylor is still very much in this discussion, as much yeah. as OU is. Because here's the deal. If Oregon But like I said, OU's fan base is much larger yeah. and they've you know, they won the first matchup, so there were probably a lot of ticket sales in the state of Oklahoma that day or in the DFW area with OU uh, alumni and stuff like that. I, I would expect probably a sixty forty, if not more, yeah. OU advantage. If LSU beats Georgia and Oregon beats Utah and Baylor beats OU, does Baylor get that four spot? Yeah, I think so. That's interesting. We'll see. Because we saw how the last time that worked out with Baylor and TCU. That's true, but that, they were going up against Ohio State in that it's equation. True. Ohio true. State is an enormous true. brand. Utah true. is a nothing brand. Yeah. As Paul Feinbaum waxed Utah. on today. Yeah, that was great. Good grief. Yeah. Never seen Paul Feinbaum be such an OU homer until today. It's it's only because of Jalen Hurts. You know that. I mean, it's because he has a boner for Jalen Hurts. He probably does. Um, Jalen Redmond, though, out last week, and a lot of people immediately freaked out. And I think you you mentioned to me like, uh, is that is that like is that like blood clots? Is that is that bad? Like, no. Well, I mean, that's always going to be yeah, the first that was, reaction. That's the first when reaction. You hear that. Yeah. Exactly. Like, no, it wouldn't be blood clots because they would have caught it sooner. Um, and then. Um, I was doing some digging, and I found out definitely it wasn't blood clots. And then after, of course, everything, um, concussion. I think I texted you like halfway through the game or something. I was like, oh, by the way, it's concussion. Protocol. A concussion and not a bar fight at Logie's, yeah. just to be clear. I yeah. don't know who I'm talking about. Yeah, here, no, yeah. Bar, no, De- bar no bar fight at Logie's. Definitely no bar fight at Logie's with any of you. Nobody catching hands. No. Um, but, yeah, so Jalen Redmond, uh, Lincoln Riley says he's still questionable. I have a good indication that, Maybe he's going to go uh, two weeks or a week and a half of not really playing ball, no contact. We'll be fine for him. I think he'll, he'll be fine. I think he'll be full go for this defense, and that's pretty big. Um, you know, it sucks to say that Kenneth Mann going out has been a really big thing for Jalen Redmond, but Jalen Redmond is the more disruptive guy, even though he's not as established, and he may not be as a more of a knowledgeable football guy, but he's a massive athlete, and he's an incredible a monster that can do twists and stunts and everything that OU wants them to do. So Jalen Redmond says he's questionable. I have a good thought and indication that he will go. Caleb Kelly playing this time around, still getting used to the brace. He does not like it. He looks a little awkward running with it. He'll have to get used to that. But his experience on the big stage is going to be very important. Of course. And my question is, OU's won four straight does this experience in these big time games in the conference championship you think that's going to help them over a school like baylor that hasn't that's been in the mountaintop with our bryles under those rape allegations and everything else um but has been sent down since then since they ripped all that down does those experience in these title games give them an edge against baylor this saturday i do think so obviously because i mean you know Five straight big – well, I guess it would be five straight if they won this week. And, you know, three college football playoffs broke in the last four years. But one thing with Baylor, someone brought this up the other day. Their defense 
they spent the last, you know, few years being manhandled and being mocked and stuff like that. They have sort of the same mental complex right now, the sort of chip on their shoulder that Oklahoma had in 2000, Mm -hmm. that defense. That defense wasn't necessarily the most athletic defense. Right. They were just nasty up front, and you never saw them miss tackles. And that's the sign of a defense that sort of has a something to prove. And I think Baylor has a little bit of that as well. Because it's not always the best athletes. That's what we were talking about. But yeah, um, from a mental standpoint, I think there's advantages on both ends. I think there's... It's, a, it's interesting. I think there's a possibility that this could be like OU versus TCU in 2015. 2015? Or 16 or whatever it was. Which, like which the first year in jury world 17 7 was yeah. it 17 mm-hmm. yeah oh this man. is only the third year of it being Jeez. bad yeah well it's, you know sometimes you get lost in the rings i guess um but yeah i, I think it has an opportunity for it to be like OU versus tcu when they maybe it was a little bit close to in the first half and then they just run gunshot on them in the second half uh but we'll see uh we'll see i think i think it does pay off for them i think their championship you know, they've been to the college football playoff however many years out of the last years. It's been several of them. Every player on that team has been to a college football playoff except the freshmen. The quarterback's been to more than enough of his share of college football playoffs and conference championships at high stakes. Um, everybody's been at that level. Nobody for Baylor has been to that level. They've experienced the 1-11 season, the 7-6 season. Now they're experiencing big-time stuff, and I think it's going to pay off dividends. And Lincoln Riley said that I thought it was really interesting. And like, why would he else, why else would he say this? Or what else would he say? He said, knowing what they know now about Baylor and experiencing what they know now about Baylor, their game plan against them completely changes. And it's the same way for Matt Rule and OU. They're going to attack the game differently. And we'll see who blinks first. We'll see who makes changes first. And we'll see, who gets to adjust their game plans first. And, you know, it's, it'll be interesting how each team comes out because I have a feeling that Baylor's going to maybe try to throw the ball downfield against OU, and I have a feeling that OU's going to try to just do the same exact thing they've done the last three weeks, which is just we're going to run the ball down your throat, and you're just going to take it, and OU's going to kill you four or five yards at a time. So what are your expectations and score predictions of this game? Definitely under 64. Yeah, I think I'm taking the under 100%. I'm taking Baylor, uh, not obviously not straight up. Right. I'll take Baylor to uh, beat Cover. the spread there, yeah. obviously. Um, I'm, I bet OU wins by a touchdown on this one. Let's go. I'm going to go 28-21 Oklahoma. Okay. Or 31-24, how about that? Okay. I think, like I said, same thing's going to happen. I think OU will be more cognizant of their turnovers. Uh, that's what got them into trouble in the first half uh, on the on the, on the the Brazos and Waco. Uh, I think, again, there's no substitute for toughness in the trenches. That OU offensive line versus that Bailey defensive line is going to be a freaking battle. They will fight tooth and nail. Those dudes are going to come out. It's not going to be like OE versus Texas last year where they just planted 
uh, Brecken Hager. Hager's Holy ass hell. on the floor so many times. They came and talking so much smack, and they just planted him after planting. I him. still love going back to that Cole Kubelik tweet with all of those plays. <laughs> it's just, so good. It was that was incredible. They they drove uh, him into the dirt after every single one of those. That I mean, that's, I loved the attitude of that offensive line, and this offensive line's developing a bit of that attitude. Oh, Marquise as well, Hayes so. is gone. Oh, yeah. He's already gone. He it. is nasty. He's a God. I love that guy. He just needs to stop the penalties. Um, but I think that that's going to be a major battle uh, that decides how many points OU gets. But if Jalen Redmond's full go, um, I really like Oklahoma's defensive line to beat the hell out of Baylor's front five. Baylor's offensive line is nothing to brag about. And that's what's some, that's that's something that's cons- consistently getting them into in in trouble. That's something that's not allowing them to run up scores like they did under Bryles. Because, I mean... Matt Rule is a running guy. He run, likes to run the ball. And if your offensive line is kind of mix and match here and there, um, it's, it's not good. And if OU's able to score early, unlike what they did against Baylor and Waco, Baylor's going to have to pass the ball. And that falls into OU's favor as far as being the number one team in the Big 12 in pass defense. As far as OU's guys like Ronnie Perkins, Neville Gallimore, Defensive newcomer of the year, Laron Stokes. Where did that come from? Don't know. Um, Nick Benito. David Aguebu has been playing really well lately. Oh, of course. Uh, just guys that have so much depth there um, and a lot of guys that they can play. And Caleb Kelly, him, even, you know, he's showing up big. And uh, it's going to give them a lot to look forward to. And I've got OU winning 31-27. to 31-27. Okay. Yeah. Your scores are pretty similar. Yeah, you said 24. I said Baylor 27. So... Uh, yeah, OU 31, Baylor 27. That would be f- Big 12 champs five times in a row. And that's, uh, that's something special. But yesterday was Tuesday. Special day for college football playoff rankings. College football playoff ranks, Utah 5, Oklahoma 6, Baylor 7. So they've overcorrected for the Big 12 for Baylor, but just kind of let OU remain course. They said... You know, the metrics are close, and they fought about this one for hours, they said. They said this was the tightest race between all of them, between five and six, OU and Baylor. Um, I think they know exactly what they're doing right now. If they put Oklahoma ahead of Utah in this week's rankings, there's no drama next week. There's no point, and not many people are going to tune in next week into next week's rating. The way they've set it up this week, though, there's a hell of a lot of intrigue for that fourth spot. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it would not... I would not put it past the committee and maybe working a little bit with ESPN, putting my uh, tinfoil hat on right here, that they put Utah ahead of Oklahoma this week just to manufacture drama. It's possible. I think it's very possible. Because it's, literally all metrics are close, but Utah's been consistently dominant this year, especially on defense. Against is what they shitty say. teams. They played one good team and got beat by that team. Yeah, and that one good team is 8-4. and four. In a fringe. And people are like, oh, well, their their loss is so much better than Oklahoma's loss. Oklahoma's loss is also to an 8-4 and four football team yeah. from a better conference. Yep. So USC's 8-4. and four. Um, Fringe top 25. Kansas State, 8-4. and four. I was On a little the... surprised that they didn't include Kansas State in the top 25. Yeah, I was there. surprised, too. I was very surprised. A little odd. Especially after beating... 8-4 and four with a win over Oklahoma. And after also beating Iowa State, that was ranked. Exactly, yeah. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Very odd. Curious indeed. 
But yeah, so Utah has only beaten teams that are seven and five. They've only beaten teams that are seven have won seven games or fewer. They lost to an eight win team uh, that was using their third string quarterback, and they have no top twenty five wins. However, they have beaten four teams in the SP plus top top fifty. OU's resume right now is they also lost to an eight win team in Manhattan. Um, they they have. If you included at this time that this tweet was produced, Iowa State was a top 25 team. I think Iowa State or K-State should have been top 25 still, but you could say that's now down to two top 25 wins between Baylor and Oklahoma State. And uh, they may have another top 25 win this weekend on Saturday if you're talking about college football playoffs. And they've defeated seven teams in the SP Plus top 50. What's the argument here? There's, there's none. The, the Oklahoma's, re- yeah, exactly. See, the thing is, I mean, the committee members will say, "Oh, well, this team has a better resume than this team, so we're putting them ahead." That's what, that's the logic they're using with the uh, top three teams right now. Right. But when it comes to Oklahoma and Utah, it's like, well, Utah is passing the eye test. Fuck off! Like we know what you're doing. Yeah. It does, Oklahoma's it resume is better. They are more deserving at this point, and they will be more deserving if they beat Baylor. I mean, I, I, whatever. Because the, the, the I'm, reason... I'm just going to ignore the troll job. I, or actually, I'm not because I mean I like to give hot takes, but whatever. The reason why they I'm went trying away not to get too worked up over it. the reason why they went away from the BCS was because like oh they're letting the computers and the metrics take advantage of everything, and we need actual humans in there to also help their input. And now it's turned away from OU is leading in every single metric, pretty much. But the eye test is overriding everything else. That doesn't make any sense. None at all. The BCS, there's a... My favorite thing was one of the arguments they made. Oh, well, they lost to USC on a Friday night. Who cares? What? It's the (sighs) Pac-12. And... I I don't... I I can't. (laughs) And I don't believe that they're passing the eye test because nobody's watching Utah games. Exactly. Hello, people... If Jim Moore is not watching Oklahoma games, he's definitely not watching Utah games. That There's that. And he's not the only person at that network who's not watching games. And Christian McCaffrey probably was the best player in the United States when he was at Stanford. And he had several people come up to him during the Heisman ceremony and was like, Sorry, brother, we didn't stay up and watch your game. It's just too late. And you're telling me you're not going to watch a Heisman guy at Stanford? But, oh yeah, Utah's passing the eye test. We're watching Utah games. What? We're watching Utah games against six and five opponents. No. Liar. It's BS. And it's unreal to me. And what's really good is that there's a Twitter out there that they com- they still have all the components of the BCS still out there. And they're compiling all this data and saying, yeah, literally every metric says OU, uh, power index, strength schedule, um, everything else has OU at number five, including the BCS, has OU at number five, but dang, that eye test sure has them at number six. It was close, though. It's so far different in every other metric, but the eye test is what pushes it, which is what overrides it. And I don't think that's what the intention was when switching over from the BCS. The, the intention wasn't, well, we just need humans in there because you know what? Just, they need logic to be in they there. They need logic to be in there. They need numbers to be in there. I think it sh- there should be a combination of both. I think There's th- way too much subjectivity when you go to the eye test. I'm not saying that you should throw out the eye test. That yeah, should, no, I'm that not. Sh- when all things are even, I think that should be that should come into play, but all things aren't even right now. Oklahoma's resume is just better, and it will be better 
I after think, this weekend if they win. So I think it's fair if you take the BCS and a couple different formulas or whatever that is with the BCS, and maybe you have the committee all vote on upon their top whatever, and you somehow matriculate the formulas and weight the percentages of your your poll in accordance with other polls, and then you add them together. That way you have the electronic element along with your eye test element, apparently, and then you put together the numbers and say, well, this is what came out. That way you have human test, and you also have metrics because the way they're going right now is against logic. It's against any numbers, and it's the dumbest thing because it's just like Rome. Roman, the Roman... oh history teacher. I know, I'm sorry. AP history teacher. the, the, The Roman Republic failed because people kept on politicking for their special interests groups. Sounds familiar like the United States these days, but people kept on uh-huh. politicking people kept on politicking for their own desires and for their own uh, policies and for their own interests. And this is exactly what happens when you let humans control this instead of other things as well that are purely numbers and that are absolute unlike your own personal opinions that are different than everybody else's. It Pisses me off. Eighteen playoff. We need it. Just let all five power five champions in, and then let uh, two at largest, maybe a group of five. Let Notre Dame be eligible. Something, whatever. something, or like just let like six or yeah, eight is good. I don't know. It's like the last two play in to play whatever. I don't know. Just I think the top four because you're always going to have two or three really great teams, and it's about those that extra fourth team which is pretty good, has a chance. But that fifth team also is probably pretty good, probably has a chance. So Probably has the same number of losses as the four teams. So so just opening up a little bit more, we're not asking for like 2014 playoff. We're not asking for 32. We're not asking for the NCAA tournament. But if you expand a little bit more, it takes, it, it takes away from this idea that we're not missing a really, really good team. You take most of the top 10 and just say... Let's have at it because, hey, like you said, Baylor, TCU, they said TCU scored, dropped 60 on, I don't know, remember who, but TCU dropped 60 on that team. And because they knew they had to, Ohio State still gets in as the four seed and people, people are pissed off about it. And they win the whole damn thing with a third string quarterback, Cardell Jones. Like, they were going to be the five seed. Yeah. They should have been the five seed. And they won the whole thing. That's why you in need dominant to fashion too. That's why I need to branch out to eight. That's why I need to branch out to eight. Uh, it's just it's unreal. And Mora is still spouting all of this. And I haven't heard him this week. Has he been on his bullshit again, dude? It's the same stuff. He's like Utah's. They they tackle and so oh, in, fuck. in Georgia God. they tackle. Baylor's flashy offensively and they don't tackle. Oklahoma <sighs> doesn't tackle. And I'm like, you've not watched. Big 12 football at all, you would know that there's a lot better defenses in the Big 12 if you watch them. At Baylor is not a good offensive team, but damn, they are a great defensive team. It's it's very frustrating. Jim Mora, I mean, there have been a like he has surpassed Joey Galloway on the in the idiot metric. 
It's absurd. Acho has been like the voice of reason. Acho's he's a, a smart guy. And he's in Longhorn and he's politicking for I mean, OU. Acho sort of fell for the whole horns up for peace thing. And, yeah, that's did, great. And where he sort of fell for Eddie's stuff and didn't quite get it. But like, uh, oh, God. He, he's an intelligent guy, though. I mean, he's yeah. he's smarter than Vilma by a lot. He's smarter than Jim Mora by mm-hmm. a lot. Smarter than Heather Dinich by a lot. It's just unreal to me. It, but is, is I'm this... not entirely sure what Heather Dinich does. She's she's a mouthpiece for the committee. Yes, apparently, exactly. that's about it. But like, I don't understand what she brings commentary wise. But not a lot. Nothing of substance. Is Mora and some of these people spouting the same stuff? Is this ESPN building their narrative to keep the Big Twelve out another year, or is it Oklahoma fa- Oklahoma fatigue? What what is what is this? Like this is sort of what I've been saying. I think they're just trying to manufacture drama right now. Okay. So I I mean I I. Like you said, Oklahoma's resume is a lot better than Utah's. I bet on Sunday, if Oklahoma and Utah both win, they're going to say, oh, yeah, well, this win over number seven put them over the top over this win over number 13 this weekend. That was what they needed right yeah. there. And, uh, yeah, if, if like I said, if they put Oklahoma ahead of Utah this week, no one's talking about this shit. They are getting so much content out of this right now. Yeah, they're getting us. We're, we've spent a lot of time talking about this yeah. already. And, and I mean... Yeah, I, I, I'm really not too worried, but they're making us sweat a little bit, and I don't like that. Yeah, but. like because, you know, if, if Oklahoma's at five, and, you know, let's say that Utah does beat Oregon, um, I guess by the time you're listening to this, it's Thursday, tomorrow, Friday, um, you, oh, you just they go in and beat Baylor, and that's it, you know. But now that there's mystery of OU behind Utah, you don't know what to expect here. Um, so you would agree that if OU beats Baylor this weekend, because Baylor's number seven, that OU leapfrogs Utah into yeah, the do. playoff, unless of course unless Georgia, Georgia ruins everything. If, if Georgia <laughs> ruins shit for us again, I'm gonna. Uh, I don't know. They nearly did it a year ago, but and our, our have, man Jalen came to the rescue. They have the worst loss out of everybody Horrible. in the top six. Four South Carolina is booty juice. Will Muschamp is booty or four, juice. Four and seven, South Carolina, four and eight. I don't know how many games. Four and games. eight now. Four and eight. How? With a loss to North... They, they lost to North Carolina, too. Mac Brown. So, that tells you a lot. How? Oh, they lost know. to North Carolina, too? They did They're lose. a two-loss team? No. no I'm, like, yeah, I'm talking about uh, South Carolina. Lost okay, that's right, that's right. That's no, right. No, no. Not Georgia. But jo- who, who's Georgia beat? Who's Georgia Florida, beat? Florida, who isn't good. Florida, who is fake... Is that it? Pretty it, much. Because A&M's not anything special, and that's the biggest win Alabama has at 12. A&M's a nothing team. God. It's just... I Man, Georgia, like... <laughs> we, dude, can you imagine a scenario? Oregon beats Utah, and you're like, man, all OU has to do is win. OU wins and beats Baylor, and you're like, sweet. OU's in as long as LSU takes care of business. I, I would just And take, then you watch Georgia defeat LSU. I, I, I would just take melatonin nonstop for a week and just sleep. Dad, that'd be the worst. That would actually be kind of fun, but I don't know. I like melatonin. The dreams are weird, though. Have you ever taken melatonin? I've taken melatonin. Dreams are a little real. It's strange. It, it's, it's odd. Bad trip, bad trip, bad Not trip. Not a bad trip. <laughs> Silly. But like... Uh... <laughs> watch Animal Planet. I mean, it's it's a weird uh, it's a weird dream situation. It is. Um, this is a quote from uh, Parnell Motley that I thought was pretty interesting. 
in Kersey, uh, he he's one that got this quote. He said, "Senior quarterback, cornerback, excuse me, Parnell Montley on the impact of Alex Grinch this year. Coach Grinch has done a hell of a job with us this year. Changed the whole mentality of this defense, man." And he embodied all of that on Saturday. Yeah, he was like the king of stripping and creating turnovers and stuff like that. He was all over the place. And we've we've said really, it was a situation where Dylan Stoner and the receivers were playing defense against him. Yeah. Oh, cut! That was beautiful. That it looked like Molly was a receiver several times, and I've said this several times. We said this several times over the summer. That man, you know what? OU's got the four stars. They've got the guys for the most part. Now they lack depth. That's true. Mostly in the defensive backfield. Yep, and that's what Alex Grinch was appalled about. But I think Alex Grinch could do something real with this defense. They just need a shift of mentality, not this cancerous, bend-don't-break, Mike Stoops mentality. And Grinch comes in here. They're still working on it. It's a year-by-year situation, day-by-day, month-by-month, year-to-year. Same thing that Bob Stoops said, 2,000 no excuses until he started having excuses why he didn't fire his brother. But... It's working. Last year, defensive S&P, 83. Right now, as it stands, 41. And 26th in total defense. 26th in total defense and number one in every metric in the Big 12. Pretty cool. Like, there's... in in Coming in, into the year, if you told me that that would be the case, I'd be like, all right, this yeah, is a contender. I thought marginal improvement. I thought, man, if OU gets in the top 60, I'm fine. You're talking about maybe the top 30 something clo- close to the top 30 and that's in his first year and he's starting to get his players in it's good stuff man like that's unbelievable like that's the kind of stuff that makes seniors like a kenneth murray want to come back around for another year well not if he's a first round projection but it's possible i think he's gone the way he carried himself after a game this year I would suggest the same thing, but you never know. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, if he let's say he's a third round projection, but he knows Odom can get him to a first or second rounder money. You take a massive insurance policy, and you maybe risk it. Who knows? Kenneth Murray's a smart guy. In uh, that video has resurfaced of some jackass. Well, our Big Twelve media days. Because we were right in front of oh, Kenneth. Oh God, who was that guy? I don't. He was some random Texas guy. Long hair. I don't know, it was weird. And we were literally right in front of Kenneth, waiting to ask him a question. And this guy's like over off to the right of us. And he's like, hey, Kenneth, why'd you, uh, what's like, why'd you, why'd you cross the Red River to play for Oklahoma being a Texas kid? He's like, I wanted to win. He's like, is that it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's, and I, it resurfaced and I was like, God, that's so funny. Like, that guy it, was just trying to get a, a horrible quote out of him. He did he that to all the OU players. He did that to C.D. Lamb. He did it all to all the OU players from Texas, which were just C.D. I and, guess those two, yeah, because Kenneth. Neville's from Canada and uh, Creed is country strong from Shawnee. But, yeah, just uh, so funny. Um, but speaking about Big 12 Media Days, in c- contrast to what o- OU is doing on their staff, by the way, Grinch is going to get a big raise, and Lincoln Riley will to get a raise, too, for... Uh, his best coaching job of the year, by the way. Of course. Um, and plus, he's going to have some uh, bargaining chips there with the uh, NFL coming well, yeah, trying we'll, to lure him away. We'll Surely. Um, we will. Herman's entire staff is literally burned to the ground. 
Have you applied for the job yet? I need to. The application's out there. I really need to. Are, are you able to climb a ladder or stairs or whatever it was in the... Uh, you ever climbed a ladder? I've climbed a ladder. That's part of the job duties. You're halfway there. And I've drank water and I've peed in the toilet once and I said, you know what? That is... Did, did it come out bad teammate? It came out cl- pretty selfish teammate. Okay. And I said, I need to hydrate so I can read pee tests. And that's part of their work as being a defensive court. The weird part of... Do you know was, how to bring your water bottle with you to every practice? I do. I've got it right here right next to me. There you go. And That's true. He's got smart water. Yeah. I've got a doctor, Diet Dr. Pepper. A, He's being healthier than I am. It's a liter. i got a liter. Oh, yeah. I drink three of these things a day. I'm, do you? Yeah, I'm thinking about doing the gallon challenge. You ever done that? No. Think about doing it. You should do it. I work from home, so having to go pee all the time isn't that big of a deal. Yeah, so. it's true. Could and be okay. What I was weirded out about the Texas thing, I was in the gym while all this was happening. And it was like, oh, Todd Orlando's been let go. I said, wait, what? Because I remember not long ago, people were saying, because Texas defense was great. And people said, man, if only, only could, oh, you could get Todd Orlando. Man, how a year changes things. Oh, for real. And I was like, wait, why, why are the offensive guys still on staff right now? And yeah, Tim Beck was just demoted. He wasn't. Uh, yeah, he's still on staff. So they demoted him. They demoted somebody else. Somebody else is parting ways. Recruits are running everywhere else. <laughs> Man, to Norman, <laughs> they are full meltdown. So I, I cannot wait for Big Twelve Media Days because last year, man, and I remember it'd be my first Big Twelve Media Days, and you and Keegan Renault from Sooners Wire, he's a great guy, puts out great stuff. Um, he said, just wait till Herman gets there. That guy thinks he's something special. He thinks he's the smartest man in the room. And he is a Mensa member. I was I was getting ready for it and I thought I was I thought I knew I was gonna expect and no, it, it exceeded my expectations of him just being a total douchebag. And it's just like, wow, what I did Everything about him just comes across as insecure. Weird. It's pretty incredible. But like this last Victor Media days, I mean those players walked around very confidently. They just want a sugar bowl. Sounds familiar, though, right? Just want a, just want a sugar bowl. Painfully familiar. Um, and uh, hey, got a got a good team this year. They're back. Sam Ellinger talking with a lot of uh, confidence. He's the, you know, the the first team All Big Twelve quarterback, which I still vehemently disagree with. Um, and some people that I know, and not in this room, of course, picked him, but. Uh, somebody I, who I just mentioned picked him as a uh, first team quarterback. <laughs> That's that, true. That was unreal. Um, I wonder what the feeling's going to be next year. Coming seven to six, and you got guys saying it can't like, be good. I mean, you know, seven to six, ten and four, seven and six. Ellen Gerger, hard G, is uh, still going to be there. Yeah, and he's going to lose to how many Sooner quarterbacks? Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, and then he's going to lose to Spencer Rattler four years. That's pretty incredible. That's got to be unprecedented for a Texas quarterback to lose to four different OU quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. We're, we're <laughs> going to rail about this you next year. You thought about that? <laughs> I thought about it as soon as they beat Texas this year. So, I'm, I'm like, because this past year, we dipped out on the second, second day of Big 12 Media Days. I was like, I don't care to talk to anybody besides maybe seeing Texas this year. You better, you better bet. Your ass! I'm going over to talk to Texas. Oh, I want to know. Does what does it mean to be back historically back? Because you are back where you actually are normally, which is you. Ha- 
This is Texas. They're pretty great. Not, not pretty great. They're pretty good. Pretty solid team. They have their occasional really great years where they win a national title or are very prominent. But then they level out and are then are still pretty good again. Their reputation um, was built off the back of the Southwest Conference under Daryl Royal, who's a Sooner himself. And um, the average wins per year was eight wins a year. And of course, they're playing 10 game seasons, but their best coach in history, they lost two games a year. That sounds like Texas is back to me. Of course, yeah. Uh, so it's just, it's interesting. So I can't wait to talk to those guys at Big 12 Media Days. And yeah, let's talk about Newcomer of the Year awards for the Sooners. OU wins offensive Newcomer of the Year. That's no surprise. Everybody picked all. Jalen Hurts as offensive Newcomer of the Year preseason. Defensive Newcomer of the Year, LaRon Stokes. I mean, obviously good for LaRon Stokes. Yeah. He has been very serviceable Tulsa this year. Tulsa kid from Neo, I believe, right? Yeah, Neo. Yeah, and homeschool before that. But, um, I mean, he, he like I said, he did fine, but I'm, I'm wondering what his competition was for this award. That's what I was thinking, too. Probably not terribly stiff. But good for him, all the same. Yeah. He, he, and he's going to be a big contributor again next he year. Will be a, he'll have to step up next year 100%. Uh-huh. Uh, the co-offensive lineman of the year, which I thought was odd, co-offensive lineman of the year, of course, is Creed Humphrey. Even though he didn't have that great of a first half of the year, still figuring things out, but then the second half of the year, they really started to turn things on. Um, First-teamers, Creed, Kenneth Murray, Jalen Hurts, CeeDee Lamb. Nothing unexpected there. Second-teamers, Kennedy Brooks, Jeremiah Hall. I was surprised by that one. Uh, Adrian Ely, Neville Gallimore, Parno Motley, Ronnie Perkins, and your very own Gabe Burkich. Any snubs? Uh, Marquise Hayes. Yeah. If you're going to throw Adrian Ely in the second team... And Ely deserves to be on the second does. team, by he the does. way. I'm not saying that he's bad by any means, but I'm saying if you're going to put Ely there, you better be putting the nastiest mf on the offensive line there, too. Maybe a chip on his shoulder after this. Huh? This man's... He might, he might have five penalties in the Baylor game because of this. Just relaxed. Marquise's Hayes' hands, just relaxing his shoulders. His hands reach his knees. This man has the longest arms I've ever seen in my life, and he's as wide as a freaking truck, and he's really, really mean. And that's gonna, He's going to be the best guard Bill Biedemo's ever coached. I think that's best correct, guard. yeah. He's a road grader. This man kills. Better than Cody Ford. Uh, better than any guard they've probably had in recent memory in the program. He's special. Uh, The guy's a monster. Tyrese Robinson, he's good. Uh, I don't foresee him being an all-Big 12 selection unless he's a junior or senior. Adrian Lee's going to be something special. Next year, left tackle. It's not going to be Swenson. I bet it's going to be one of the guys that were a freshman this year. Maybe Bray. I don't know. I think think they still like him at guard or right tackle. Um, Thing you're looking at. Oh, miss the the kid's name. Kid from Arkansas, Stacy Wilkins. Wilkins. Stacy Wilkins might have as high an upside as uh, anyone on the of, the of the young guys I'm talking about. So I think I think uh, you'll see Stacy Wilkins there next year. But man, uh, lots of Sooners on that list. I thought you could have maybe added Ronnie Perkins, but at the same time, to first team. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of good defenders in the in the Big Twelve. TCU had the most named to. Had the had the most named two first team, and they're five and six. Or five and seven. five and seven. My yeah. bad. They're not not eligible. Isn't that interesting? A little bit, yeah. I mean, they're off. They're defensive guys plus Jalen Rager. 
But it's just yeah. Like, the issue with TCU is that they were really bad at just a few positions, essentially, gosh. in a few position groups. Like their front, their defensive line was really good this year. Yeah, oh, they were great. Did you see Jalen Rager officially declare for the draft early? Yeah, yeah, of course. They have nobody coming back on offense next year. Nope, nobody. Though, though Max Duggan, who we found out pretty quickly, was pretty fast. Yeah, uh, but no skill positions whatsoever. But they're in DFW. They'll find athletes. Defense is always going to be great under Gary Patterson. Bob Stoops. <laughs> we saw images of him talking uh, talking to the team, many of which are sooner, so the Dallas Renegades. Uh, there are now still conspiracy theories surrounding him, and the coaching carousel is now raging on. Uh, this this message board post on Florida State, the, the Noel, what is it? What is Noel, What is the Seminoles' rival site? I'm not sure. But like War Chant is the one that is uh, 24-7, I believe. And then there's uh, Tomahawk Nation, which is our affiliate. Okay. So, which is the one you should go to. That's the level-headed right. one. This one is a poster from the rival's site for Florida State, and it says, The latest theory from the Coleman chat is that the stage was set for Stoops. Bob Stoops flew into Thomasville and was snuck into the Champions Club secretly. I did not realize that Thomasville had an airport, by the yeah, way. Now that you is know. that is ba- barely over the border in Georgia, and <laughs> it it's it's not a nice place. It gets better. They then recorded a secret press conference with Stoops announcing himself as coach. Stoops then flew back for the Renegades and the funeral. After the funeral, he will be announced as the coach with that press conference and with no press and we'll start Thursday as the coach. So Because that's totally how you go about that thing, obviously. Yeah, I mean 100%. yeah, totally. This guy's on to something. So when this thing is released and people are going about their days on Thursday tomorrow, uh Bob Soup's the head coach at Florida State. <laughs> like, come on, man. Why? Why? Why are they doing this to themselves? Okay. Go get Mike Leach. That would be the way to go, obviously. I but, love uh, Mike Leach. I do too, yeah. Or Kiffin. Or Yeah, Kiffin. Go get Kiffin. He's he, already, Kiffin's about to win another conference championship He's already at FAU. in Florida. Can already recruit the area. And he gives no fucks about what he says. That's true. I love that guy. Move the needle. But I wonder yeah. if he'll end up at Arkansas. That would be kind of fun. Who else can their coaches? Of course Arkansas did. Mizzou. Mizzou did in Hypel. They said is a guy that people are interested in there at Mizzou. That'd be a bad hire. You know, he. I don't know. He's don't not know. the face of a program. He just isn't. He's doing okay at USF. He's doing fine there, but he he's he'd be more under the microscope at Mizzou as far as like media and stuff like that. Makes me think of Alex Grinch. Mizzou does. The, yeah, the Odoms and the Grinches are very good people. That's true. Uh, yeah. They like each other a lot. They know each other very well. Um, they all have relations with Gary Pinkle. It's just something that crossed my mind. Yeah, I mean, well, granted, I mean, they, Brian just, they just fired an Odom, so they're yeah. not going to bring in another person with that connection. So that Never seems know. like they burned that bridge. Uh, I think Mike Leach is going to get off. Uh, I think I think he's going to leave Washington State eventually. He's got to. And if he could get into the state of Texas somehow, I think he would. I don't know so what job too. would be open. But uh, we'll see. UTSA yeah. Roadrunners is open. Yeah, man. Do you think? <laughs> Leach wouldn't do that. To no, him, he so. would not. But that he would might. be funny. That but would be a very cool place for him to be, though. Leach to Arkansas makes too much sense. To I me. think so, too, yeah. It makes too much sense. And they won't do it. 
Leech to Ole Miss. Leech to Ole Miss makes too much sense for me. But Leech to Arkansas makes more sense. That's the that that's the outpost that he needs to be at in the SEC. Yeah. 100%. He needs to be in an outpost because he can't have someone, he can't be somewhere where people are asking him hard questions. He has to be able to go off on his own. If he goes to Arkansas. With his answers and distract people and not have to actually go into scheme or anything like that. If he goes to Arkansas, he can still steal those Tulsa kids because he still has those Oklahoma ties. That's true. And he's got Louisiana right there, but man, he can recruit the hell out of Texas. And he can find you diamonds in the rough. Uh, he's a special guy, he's a special coach. Um, I really want him back in the South. Him up in Wazoo, man, he doesn't fit the culture up there. He kind of, a little bit. I don't know. He's a little wacky. I mean, I'm... He's wacky, but man, the man loves himself. Native American war stories and Native American heroes. He belongs Plenty in the South. Plenty of those up there. At Washington State. Oh, yeah, The absolutely. Cougars. I mean, like, they have, they have, oh, the, the, were they the, what Native Americans were in the Northwest? A lot. Oh, of course there are a lot, but... There's one tribe that was very, very popular. I'm really upset. History teacher coming I up know. blank. I'm really upset. AP, maybe, maybe uh, remedial history right I'm now. I'm really upset that I can't remember that tribe of up Northwest. But anyways, yeah, coaching carousel is about to go haywire. It's about to go nuts. And randomly, Chris Peterson, he's got some personal stuff going on with his family, stepping down. And Jimmy Lake, defensive coordinator, stepping up to be... That's a very smooth transition, oh, by yeah, the way. Oh, yeah, it is. And Texas fans, as soon as a month ago, were very sure they were getting Jimmy Lake as their new defensive coordinator. Hate to see it. Hate to see it. Uh, you also hate to see that there are some rumors, some spicy rumors that have some smoke to them. And like we've always said, wherever there's smoke, there usually is some sort of fire or something. Lincoln Riley's agent, not really Lincoln Riley himself, They've been uh, contacted and talked to and by some various NFL organizations known as the Atlanta Falcons and the Dallas Cowboys. How do you feel about that? Oh, I mean, Dallas, I mean, we've gone on and on and on and on about Mm -hmm. weighing that decision. Would you want to work for the Jones family? No, he would not. Would Dallas be able to pay a bunch? Yes. He has a relationship with the Jones family. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean he wants to deal with that circus. So maybe he already knows. And not have as much control over personnel as he would in another place. Maybe he knows by having a relationship with the Jones family in his heart that since I know them a little bit better than just owner, that I might not want to work for this guy. Exactly, yeah. Like, what other team in the league, after losses or wins, he's the first person being interviewed? No. No. Um, and he would have the least amount of control as a head coach in the league, being a coach for the Dallas Cowboys, and he has so much he control. He needs to be in a situation where he has the most control, too, because he runs a offense that he wants to run. I mean, he has to be in complete control over personnel offensively. Yeah. And, you can't uh, just uh, defer to the uh, Jones family on that. So. And it, it that's just not going to work. Makes he is that would be complete, very dysfunctional. Complete control, and with, he's not a yes man either. Jason not. Garrett's the ultimate yes he man. He is. He claps really great. It would not. Uh, I mean, Jimmy Johnson was incredibly successful in Dallas, and he only was there for four or five years because you of can do all it. the headbutting with Jerry Jones. And I bet he's talked to Switzer multiple times. Pro, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, and I'm sure Switzer's telling him not to do it. 
And uh, him in Atlanta entices me. He's got the back end of Matty Ice's career with Julio Jones. Um, I don't know. He has a great spot in Norman. He has the most, not the most control in college football, but top five most control of what he wants to do in college football. Saban, Sweeney, maybe one or two others have con- more control. Uh, but he's got a complete grasp because the man's taking him to back-to-back college football playoffs without Bob Stoops. And he's getting it done on the defensive side of the ball now. And he's already got, man, he's already got a group of guys that everybody knows in the following years can win him a national title. I think if he wins a national title, he's out. And I wouldn't blame him. I, I would, we would throw him a parade and be like, "Hey, wherever you go is going to be our favorite NFL team." Yeah, <laughs> you brought us, yeah. you brought us number eight, and you he revolutionized a, or, or he kind of uh, modernized a lot of things yeah. about the program as well from the recruiting side of things and the uh, strength and conditioning did, side he, of things. He brought the he brought the social program. media side of things. I mean, it he brought the program from the late nineties and early two thousands into the 21st century, as far as like new age stuff that everybody else was doing. And he caught OU up to speed and, and surpassed, surpassed a lot it of by, people, by yeah. OU being the number one, uh, electronic presence on the internet. It's, it's incredible. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think he stays, I don't think he's leaving. I keep on joking that he's leaving and I put out a, ter- I like to troll Facebook people. I put, I'd like to keep doing that. Actually. I put out a terrible tweet, at Thanksgiving, that was it was just poorly. That was I. I loved that so much because the olds timed. were just well. No, it was perfectly timed the because Cowboys the goal had just lost. The goal was to troll people, and it worked very well. And I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, the cow. So please do that again sometime <sighs> soon. We just we just watched the Cowboys lose at Thanksgiving. Oh, dude, I've got and- an idea. Please on Friday say rumor has it that. Uh, uh, Lincoln Riley is in Arlington this weekend at Jerry <laughs> Jones. Just see what's going to happen with some of the Brendas on Twitter. Yeah, gosh. I oh. need to put it on Facebook. Facebook might explode if I put that on Facebook. I'll say, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually what they sounded like. But man, there's so many. Some people got the joke and I really appreciated it. But some people were like, it, it made me regret. That was the biggest thing I've ever regretted on Twitter. And I've seen some, I've done some dumb things and I've seen some really bad it's things. It's really on Twitter. fun to watch the world burn on social media. And I just, out I of your just, doing. I had just regretted because I was like, yeah, I can 100% guarantee you Lincoln Riley will be in Dallas uh, two weeks from now. And we have a lot of people that were like, he wouldn't do it. He loves Norman too much. And I was like, oh my God, these people don't get the joke. And the, the amount of people over 60 replying to me were just too damn high. And uh, I, I had a really distasteful joke, so I deleted it. Um, and we might have to mark it out of the podcast. Who knows? It's because it's mild, mildly insensitive. But I said, um, the people that are upset with this tweet haven't been this angry since Pearl Harbor. And some people got really upset with it. And I just, uh, I just you know, I just went for it. <laughs> we don't have to take that out of the podcast. That's it. It's it, that, that, that was a bad joke, though. <laughs> I thought it was great. I mean, okay, I um, thought it was great. 
But people got upset. Oh, well, it's okay. Good. Yeah. No, no, no. no. The people the, had a little more right to be upset. The on that same one, people say. got <laughs> the same people that were. I'm laughing tricked, right now. Whatever. Same but. people that were tricked got upset, but everybody else understood that got the joke, which you know are roughly under the age of 45. Uh, they enjoy the joke. Yeah. But okay. Yeah, I we'll, already, we'll keep it on the podcast. That's fine. I had already given a uh, some of these okay boomers in a heart attack so uh didn't want to give get go any further no then you're giving the greatest generation a heart attack <laughs> most of them are gone though so jeez it's just man what can you do twitter and oh my gosh onto a another sooner insider site i got a screenshot from one of my friends that says hey it was my it was my tweet and it said hey this guy usually has some pretty good sources and maybe he knows something and I was like, you've got to <laughs> My post has not. If my post had made it to an insider board, that will rename, remain nameless, but they do great work. Um, it was a 100% on Facebook somewhere. Guarantee you. That's the worst. So bad. Um, something that happened recently that I want to address that I think is uh, important to is that a football legend in the state of Oklahoma recently passed away. Um, Alan Trimble, Jinx High School. Uh, the man put a giant in this state. Yeah, the man changed football for the state. He put Oklahoma really on the map nationally as far as competitive football in the state. He's a former lineman, um, and you don't see many lineman coaches and like head the, being head coaches, excuse me. And he he just put Oklahoma on the map one hundred percent, and uh, have, had gotten ALS diagnosed with that. And uh, he fought through it. Uh, he even coached a season while struggling with this. Um, the stadium, I believe, is I think the stadium is named after him now. Um, passed away recently, and you know it's just good to pay homage to this guy that completely changed the outlook for football. You know, for high school in the state of Oklahoma. And, Helped mold um, a bunch of future Sooners yeah, too. One hundred percent. Rocky and Calmus, so, Kewan Jones, Stephen Parker, yep. plenty more. Uh, just a great guy. One hundred percent great guy. And 100% class act and great football coach. So thought it'd be a good idea to pay homage to him Absolutely. and everything he's done for the state. Um, but man, plans for the weekend. Go down to Dallas, right? Going down to Dallas, yeah. Heading down. Uh, Buddy and I are going down. I got to wait for him to get off work. He's an advisor at OU, mm-hmm. and uh, we and our he and I are going to go down at like 5:30 or something like that. Hopefully, get there in time to watch most of the uh, Oregon uh, okay Utah game. But <clears throat> then heading back. Uh, Right after the game. It's the first time I've ever done that. Yeah, I think I'm going to stay an extra night and head back to Sunday. See, I, you, that's what I usually do. This is, I, I'm kind of looking forward to doing it this way because I'll have my Saturday night back home. So, yeah. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, same. I'm, I'm going to go to the game. I'm literally going down to Dallas Friday right after work. Uh, I got my bags. Going to be packed. Going to go hang out at the hotel. Um, and then this time, not see a ton of texas fans this time uh last time we checked into the hotel and there was longhorn burnt orange everywhere and i expect to see a lot more crimson this time around and hopey hopey hopefully the same smiling faces after the game and then i'm uh, gonna check out and uh come back home sunday with hopefully a win and that looks like the weekend for me you know? sounds like a good weekend hope we're looking forward to a good weekend we'll see what happens friday and see if what what needs to happen and then saturday evening seeing that lsu game is pretty significant so you got anything else i think i'm good all right guys well hey that wraps us up exciting exciting time this conference championship weekend 
Next is bowl season, and after that, recruiting and offseason, baby. Recruiting. So, hey, guys, go ahead and follow us at crimsonandcreammachine.com. Great site, great people running it, um, great stories dropping every day, analytics, fun stories, just a lot of good stuff. X's and O's, too, just uh, Jimmy's and Joe's. Job applications for the University of Texas yeah, OC and DC position. Yes, that's true. Um, and go ahead and follow us on Twitter. Jack's usually at CC Machine or his personal account, J. Larry Shields. Your quote um, on CC Machine today about the screenshot of King of the Hill when they show the guys from Wichita Falls made my day. That is one of the greatest episodes of television <laughs> of all time. So good. So incredible. King of the Hill, I, there's ugh, greatest cartoon of all time, yep. easily. It's Maybe great. one of the greatest shows of all time. Definitely one of the greatest shows of all time. And uh, you go ahead and follow me at Cameraombi and CCM. And guys, like we said, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. We got we got like three or four more reviews since the last time we talked. And, mm-hmm. you know, I really appreciate it. And like, all of them have been five stars, and it's been great. And... Um, just go ahead, drop some more five stars, give some reviews. Just give, take, take a couple seconds if you're on iTunes. Takes one tap, it's on the five, five star button, and maybe write a review, do something special for us. But we'll check you guys later after this Saturday.